pivoted the company. We went through a big transition. It was a major bet. We essentially bet the company and the company almost didn't make it at the time, but we did. And here we are. So we're very focused now on heavy duty vehicles. I've been pushing as CEOs have a bit of focus and win it the first one and then go to the next one. This is Energy Cast, and I'm Jay Downhauer. Today we're talking about heavy-duty lithium-ion batteries. The concept may seem a little contradictory. Lithium-ion batteries are by definition energy-dense. They're light, but one of their biggest drawbacks is that most are not built to be used until the end of time. Their lifespans are typically defined by the number of cycles, charging and discharging, they can take before they start to degrade. My guest was one of the pioneers at the dawn of the lithium age, which began way back about 30 years ago. And to hear my guests tell their story, it's a tale of constant reinvention with a now laser-committed focus on the material handling sector. So why the sector? My guest says forklifts, for instance, have to run non-stop far more than the family Tesla. He says their batteries would outlive a car like that. There is also a critical need for safety. It's a niche market that's still worth billions of dollars. My guest says they plan to also expand into heavy vehicles and potentially utility-scale battery energy storage systems, or BEST sites. One of the things we discuss in this episode is the need for these BEST sites to augment or add battery capacity as the original batteries begin to degrade, in some cases, prematurely. You've heard me talk about some of my concerns about lithium-ion technology. It's too spread out. It promises to be the answer to too many of our energy needs. It's the same issue I hear from people who only support wind and solar, for instance. I like a balanced basket of energy technologies. My guest can't answer for the whole lithium industry, but it was refreshing to see a North American company focused on a particular sector in a field that's becoming increasingly diffuse. And it will be fascinating to see what their limitless lithium batteries add to that mix. My guest today is Dr. Raj Dasgupta, CEO of Electrovia, a lithium-ion battery producer based near Toronto. Electrovia was founded in 1997. Raj took over duties from his father, Dr. Sankar Dasgupta, last June. He describes the last few years as a, quote, bet the company moment, pivoting from batteries Samsung and other Asian manufacturers are famous for to their own heavy-duty Infinity battery, as they call it. Electrovia is also on the cusp of a long-awaited commercial solid-state lithium battery, which could essentially double the energy density of the batteries on the market today. I really appreciated Raj's frankness, both with his company's history and some of the challenges facing the industry at large. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Raj Dasgupta. We're here with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, CEO of Electrovia. And Dr. Raj, lithium-ion batteries have some giants. Tesla, Samsung, LG, y'all know their names. How is Electrovia's lithium-ion technology different from the companies that we've heard of? This is a extremely competitive field that, specific on the batteries, has traditionally been dominated by the large Asian conglomerates who have 
plenty of people and money and backing from governments, et cetera. So it's a very, very difficult space. How do we compete? Electrovia has been in the battery space for 25 years. And that battery space has always been lithium ion batteries. We've managed to survive where there's plenty of dead bodies in the ground, right? And we've done that through being innovative on the technology side. That's been our focus all along. The company today has well over 100 patents and we continue to evolve and play in this very competitive space. Now, this space of electrification, as you know, is very broad. It's more than just electric vehicles. We've decided, we designed one of our technology platforms around being extremely long in cycle life. Our lithium-ion battery cells will cycle two to three times longer than automotive grade lithium ion batteries than most of them that I know of. And as a result of that, combined with the fact that we have a ceramic separator technology, which provides much better safety, we've decided to focus our efforts on applications which are sensitive to both of those, which I think would be classified more as heavy duty vehicles as opposed to your passenger vehicles. I drive a EV to work every day and have done so for many years, but that car sits parked about 23 hours per day at the best of times, right? I'm not using that battery very hard and I'll probably do one cycle on my vehicle per week. The applications that we're targeting are doing one cycle per day or two cycles per day and using the battery 24 hours, seven days a week, right? So it's a totally different market segment, but it's large. Material handling will be top of that. If you go into a warehouse, let's say it's a Walmart warehouse or an Amazon warehouse, those types of operations, they'll run those forklifts 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're moving your food. They're moving your goods. These companies, they make their money by being efficient. And so those vehicles are being utilized as heavily as possible. That is where we focused quite a bit of our efforts and we've been pretty successful there. Yeah. 25 years. What was Electrify doing 25 years ago? Oh, Not this, right? <laughs> we've so, uh, Lots of reinvention over that time. So 25 years ago, lithium-ion batteries were new. We initially were early developers, I'd say on the pouch cell development. We were very early there. We worked with companies like NASA, for instance, on their shuttle mission programs for batteries. We got into the electric vehicle space rather early. We had a partnership with Tata Motors, which is a large Indian automaker. Then a bit later, we partnered with Chrysler. We built the batteries for their test fleets of plug-in hybrid Dodge Rams and minivans. But again, this was 2009, 2010. Those vehicles that I just mentioned didn't go into production. And those companies may have been a little different today if they had, but they didn't go into production. So 2014, 15, 16, Electrovia actually acquired Germany's largest lithium-ion battery plant at the time. And that was supplying Daimler for their eSmart. So we were supplying the eSmart so we were very into the automotive space. What we were finding, though, was it was getting extremely cost competitive, such that we were making losses on our products and something that we can sustain. Around that period of time, we also started developing this new technology, which we refer to today as our Infinity battery technology platform. And we said, hey, it's overkill for these passenger EVs. 
but it's the ideal technology for heavy duty applications. We went through a big transition in 2018. We closed down the facility in Germany. It was a major bet. We essentially bet the company and the company almost didn't make it at the time, but we did. And here we are. So we're very focused now on heavy duty vehicles. They're more than just material handling. There's robotics, buses and trucks are markets that we're eyeing right now. It has been a good bet for us as a company and we'll see how things go. That said, we continue to keep our eye on the larger market, but again, we'll only go back through technology. We're developing our solid state battery technology right now, looking promising. That would be the technology that would be more applicable for the electric vehicles. Yeah, and so describe this solid state lithium battery. Just to clarify, all lithium batteries are not solid state, correct? Yeah, your typical lithium-ion battery has your cathode and your anode. Anodes, you typically graphite, cathodes, mixed metal oxide. And then you typically have a separator membrane and a liquid electrolyte. And that separator membrane is usually a polymer porous material. In our case, it's a ceramic material. The solid-state battery, you're replacing that liquid electrolyte and your separator typically with a solid separator slash electrolyte. And therefore, you're getting rid of the liquids. And then because you're doing that, you can use pure lithium metal as your anode. And when you do all that, you suddenly increase your overall energy density by at least a factor of two. So it's a major game change in technology. A lot of companies are working on it. No one has commercialized it in any reasonable scale at this point. What's been the drawback to that? I assume you're using more lithium in your batteries. Yeah, you're using a little bit more lithium, but you're still using lithium in a lithium-ion battery. Yeah. But the major drawback is it's hard to get it to work. <laughs> the challenges have been getting a solid-state battery to work at room temperature, for instance. Some companies have actually commercialized solid-state batteries that work at elevated temperatures. But room temperature, some of your audience will know, Liquids are, of course, more mobile and generally more conductive, especially with an electrolyte than a solid would be for ionic conductivity. So conductivity is one of the challenges, especially room temperature and lower. Manufacturing it is very difficult. One thing, making a cell in a lab, another to be able to scale something for manufacturing. These are some of the major challenges that are there today. You're saying you're going longer cycles. We've heard a lot about multiple cycles and almost have infinite cycles, so. No, no, I'm talking about number of charge discharge cycles you can do on that battery before it reaches end of life. Okay, well then that's the name of the game, isn't it? Yeah, like everyone's familiar with their cell phone, right? Right. After two years, which is approximately, let's say 600 cycles, maybe 700 cycles, depending on how heavily you use your phone, that battery is noticeably working worse, right? The, the batteries that go into your cell phones probably will do thousand cycles or less. The batteries that are going into your typical electric vehicles will maybe do 1,000, maybe 2,000 cycles in some cases, but then they won't go beyond that. The cells that we're making on our Infinity battery technology platform, they're doing about 9,000 full cycles, you know, going 100%, going to zero before they reach 80% of their initial capacity. It's a huge number of cycles. If you put that into your EV, it's going to last much longer than the chassis of that car is, right? So it's a little overkill. But again, there are applications out there that can utilize that. Even energy storage is a good one, right? 
Yeah, and that's what I wanted to get into. I just came off an assignment. We're seeing a lot more attention to system design, especially with premature aging. What could be leading to premature aging with lithium-ion batteries? I think one of the situations I've seen is you take a lot of batteries, you put a lot of them in series to raise the voltage, and what it does is it just drags them all. It really ages them out, yeah? So the energy storage industry is close to my heart because I actually developed our energy storage systems about a decade ago. What I found is the last 10 years, it's been a new industry and sort of dominated by developers to some degree, right? So they'll say, I'm going to build an energy storage plant that has 10 megawatt hours and I'm going to go look for a battery system for that 10 megawatt hours and they get put out an RFP and the lowest cost per kilowatt hour upfront cost solution wins the bid. And that's what gets built. The developers aren't thinking 10 years down the line that the site is going to have to be augmented because the batteries are fading. Battery degradation is a very complicated science. And some of the factors that you've just mentioned, series, parallel, that has some influence. But fundamentally, it's the chemistry. Chemistry is what's dictating the degradation of the technology. And this is something that as our CEO, I look at this energy storage industry, I know we have the right technology for that market, but we're not pushing it too much at this point because I'm going to wait till some of these energy storage systems reach their end of life and the developers start scratching their heads and say, oh, maybe we should have picked a different battery technology. So <laughs> we're going to come back to it. But, you know, like your battery that's designed for your phone or your car, which is 90% of the batteries that are being produced or more than that, they are not designed to cycle 10,000 cycles. They're not meant to do that. And that's why they're failing. Their core technology isn't designed around that. Yeah. Do you think that in a case like that, a better battery management system could prevent that? It seems almost like it's managing the batteries at the series level as opposed to on the individual modules or even the individual cells. Right? Well, for sure. You need the best battery management system you can, especially the big, big systems. But that said, you can't get around the chemistry. Chemistry is your ultimate limitation there. And if your chemistry is weak, you're going to have a weak system. And so you guys think you have a superior chemistry to what's out there, what's been thrown out in the field in some of these large best sites, yeah? Yeah, frankly speaking, I would say so. Uh, <laughs> that said, we're not applying this technology to that industry segment because if you're making something and you're only making 100 of them, you're going to sell it to the guy who's going to spend the most money on it. And the guy who's going to spend the most money on it are these Fortune 500 companies operating warehouses where they want the battery to last as long as possible. And they can clearly see a longer lasting battery is giving a lower cost of ownership. Sure. And look, these best augmentations, the setting that I was in earlier this year, I felt like we were one of the first people to be doing augmentations. Everyone else is just putting the first greenfield sites in the ground. That's got to be a serious consideration that's, moving forward, right? That's got to happen now. Like all these sites that have been built in the last 10 years, they're going to be needing your augmentation folks now because those sites will not be getting the capacity that they thought they would be getting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to what you actually do, <laughs> what you want to use it for. What has been going on with large heavy duty vehicles? I assume they've just been using the same cells that have been going in the small Teslas, the smaller EVs, right? Yeah, those are the cells that are being mass produced, right? What's being used on electric buses, for instance, right? This is something that is very nascent, but it's going to happen in a big way in the coming years. But what you use in your passenger vehicle, as you scale it up and put it on a bus, people are finding, hey, it's not necessarily the right fit. 
So there's been some high profile battery fires on electric buses. It's one thing having a fire on a car, you can get out of your car pretty quickly. But on a bus, having a big 700 kilowatt hour battery on a bus catch fire, not a good thing. I think the emphasis on safety is going to increase. And again, that's a good fit for us as a company. Well, you brought it up, the thermal runaway issue. So how are you eliminating that from your modules? One of the big causes of thermal runaway in lithium-ion batteries is generally what I would refer to as a hot spot in your cell. Let's say you get a soft short or a little small short circuit there. Then you suddenly get a very warm spot in the cell. If that warm spot gets warm enough, and a warm enough would be maybe just over 100 degrees Celsius, not that hot for a piece of electronics, then standard lithium-ion separator materials will shrink. Sort of like if you take a lighter to a plastic bag, that's what happens with your battery separators. As soon as that separator shrinks, that short circuit, which was very small, now becomes larger, and you get what the battery scientists call thermal runaway, what most other people would call a fire. <laughs> So that battery will then catch fire. In our case, we're using a ceramic membrane between the cathode and anode, which doesn't really matter what temperature you go to, it's going to stay intact. Fundamentally, it makes the cell much, much safer. And that translates to a pack level. So jumping back to the forklifts, companies are actually very, very sensitive to the safety of the battery that goes into those vehicles. Because a typical distribution center for some of those companies will have 200 of these vehicles inside the building being charged at high rates, right? So they cannot tolerate a fire inside a building. The sensitivity is very high with regards to safety, especially fires. And we did a fire propagation test with UL and with our OEM partner, Raymond, where we purposely wrapped up a cell and heated up to about 250 degrees Celsius and put it on fire to see how it would propagate in the pack. And essentially, there was no propagation whatsoever in that pack. That separator technology is really improving the safety. Absolutely. I've done UL destructive testing before where you had to have enough of your models to get through it and everything. You got your purple hearts then. You got your purple hearts. That's right. The other thing that comes up a lot with lithium is the cobalt usage. So where is Electrovia on using cobalt? I know that's kind of become a little bit so of a sticky wicket. Our core technologies around the separator and electrolyte, not around the cathode. We utilize right now NMC cathodes, which have a little bit of cobalt. That said, where we're going as a company and the way the industry is going as well is to higher nickel content cathodes and lower cobalt content in the cathodes. So the cobalt content keeps coming down. If I look back even 2015, we were using NMC cathode materials with a one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one ratio. And that has gone down to more like a six-to-one ratio or six-to-two ratio. So the cobalt keeps coming down recyclability. I've had a few people come on, I think it's a Canadian company, Lycycle, yeah, which is yeah. probably the leader in that. I think they're over near you. And Nth Cycle, they've done black mass and basically they recycle on site. Kind of help us understand the importance of you've got to be able to recycle these batteries. That's got to be sustainable, right? Yeah. For sure. And Lifecycle is a great group. Some of our former employees work for Lifecycle. They're all good friends. It's great to see more and more recycling companies come up. These batteries, end of life, are recyclable and more and more materials in them will be recycled. We partner with the recycling companies. We don't do the recycling ourselves. That said, the batteries that we're producing won't be recycled probably for another 20 to 30 years because they last so long. Sure. Besides heavy-duty vehicles and forklifts, we talked about long-term energy storage, possibly taking a little bit of bite out of the best market. Any other sectors that you guys are thinking this would apply for? 
Well, I did mention the bus market. That's one we're excited about. We'll be launching some systems next year for that. The guy who's buying a bus wants that bus to last 12 plus years. And it's a good fit for us on both the cycle life standpoint and the safety. Then uh, another market that we're seeing more and more traction in is actually robotics. This is a market that's still small, but rapidly growing. For the infinity battery technology, these are the markets that we're targeting. Yeah. And what about space? Space is a very good fit for (laughs) for satellites for our tech because cost is putting the satellite up. It's one that we haven't pushed yet because volumes would probably be low. But again, I think it's a good fit for us. We can't do everything right away. That's one thing I've been pushing as CEOs, have a bit of focus and win it the first one and then go to the next one. Yeah, and that's got to be the hardest job. I've talked to a lot of companies where they have a solution where it can go in a lot of different directions. And the discipline, I think, comes in the, okay, we're going to focus here and then we're going to branch out slowly. We're not just going to eat up every little thing that looks tasty, right? Exactly. So we're very, very focused, at least in the near term, on the material handling segment. That's a multi-billion dollar market on its own. And if we're successful there, we're going to be successful everywhere. Yeah. And Raj, look, one of the things that I think you hear about lithium is that lithium is going to power every single vehicle on the planet. And it's also going to back up every megawatt hour because we're going to be 100% renewable. And I think there gets to a point where it's like, okay, has lithium overpromised, And where do we think lithium really is going to rest? Where do you think lithium fits? And where do you think something like fuel cells and say pumped hydro for storage? Where do you think lithium really should focus on? So pumped hydro, you can't beat it for long-term storage, right? That said, you can't build more pumped hydro very easily. You know, I'm, of course, biased. I'm a lithium guy. That said, lithium is hard to get out of. It's the lightest metal on the periodic table, always going to have the best energy density of any battery storage technologies. And lithium itself is actually quite abundant. It's not a rare substance. We're just at the start of this revolution, so I think things are going to go quickly. That said, especially on the energy storage, side of things, there's a host of technologies that can be good fits, right? So you mentioned a couple. There are others. There's flow batteries. Lithium-ion is still dominating it because it's being produced in more and more volumes and it's going to be used in cars, trucks, etc. But there is space for other technologies. All right. Raj Desgupta, Lechavaya, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Jay. Pleasure being here. That was Dr. Raj Desgupta, CEO of Electrovia, a lithium-ion battery manufacturer based in Ontario, Canada. I want to thank Raj for his time, as well as Anthony Tran and Jason Roy at Electrovia for setting this up. You can find plenty of pictures for this episode on energy-cast.com, as well as on Instagram at Host Energy and Twitter at Host Energy Cast. All guests are sent the raw and completed audio the week of release. So far, no complaints. Be sure to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That gets the word out. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That Wraps up episode 149. Be sure to join us next week when we air my live panel on long duration energy storage. And it was a riot. Until then, I'm Jay Downhower. We'll see you next time.